Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of Popping Into Movies. I'm Jared. And I'm Kate. And today we have our first double feature with Coming T.O. America and Coming T.W.O. America. So this came out this past weekend. We're recording this on Sunday, Saturday night. We watched the first one, which I've seen a couple times. I think Kate just saw it for the first time. Correct. And then earlier today we watched the sequel. So we decided why not do a double feature here. Um, We made a popcorn to unify both of them, but we'll talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about the original and then share our thoughts on the sequel. Yes. So this double features inspired popcorn comes from McDowell's restaurant in the movie, which is owned by the character Lisa's father, Cleo, who is played by John Amos. And it's the Golden Arcs. Not the golden golden arches. arches. So in case McDonald's comes after us uh, for this inspired popcorn, just remember that. And it's the Big Mic, not the Big Mac. Yeah. And that's what this popcorn tastes like. A Big Mac. So what what is the what's the uh, the title for this popcorn? This is the Big Mic. The Big Mic popcorn. I think so. The newest McDowell's uh, menu item you can get. It's their headliner. Substitute (laughs) fries for some Big Mic popcorn. Yeah. No. Just get a Big Mic. (laughs) and i think it would serve that pretty well so this one is actually pretty interesting it's our first sauce on the side popcorn yes a dipper yeah so why don't you why don't you first talk about how you made the actual like base popcorn so base popcorn we got normal popped popcorn which i added some worcestershire sauce to to the oil when you were like popping it yes totally took a chance on that i it started making a noise when it was cooking and I thought it was burning or like going to explode. So I got real worried. I had to clean up a little bit of the oil because I thought maybe I put too much. And I looked what the ingredients of the Worcestershire sauce was Mm because I wasn't thinking. I'm just like, yeah, this is going to make it taste like meat. But it has white. The main ingredient is white vinegar. Okay. So so you're just adding some acid. Oh, with the oil. Yeah, it was evaporating like crazy. And then all the second ingredient, molasses. Yeah. So, hey, we're making a kettle corn, kind of. That's what I first thought. So then you you're, you can go into what you, what you spiced with after, but we tried some of it just by popping it in uh, the Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire? Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire. Oh, I'm going to have to just get used to hearing it said incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> and it tastes really good just with oil and the sauce. You don't even I, need yeah. any of the spices. We might try it, eating it like that. It's like I totally would. a sweet savoriness. It's just, it's real good. Yeah, I'm surprised this hasn't been like a thing. Yeah. It's so easy and it tastes really good. So at this point, we have just our popped popcorn. So what did you spice it with? On top of that Worcestershire popcorn, I put cheddar cheese powder, Mm -hmm. garlic powder, salt, of course, and dill, sort of to imitate pickles. Yeah. On the big mick. And (laughs) they traditionally have. (laughs) Yeah. And then I think the most important part of this is our secret sauce. You know, McDonald's has a secret sauce. We have McDowell's a secret sauce. Has a, has a secret, secret sauce. sauce. <laughs> and we didn't put sesame seeds in of this. Of course not. On the buns or in this popcorn. No sesame seeds. Yeah. So what 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 went into uh, the secret sauce? I guess it's not so secret now, but Sure, I just googled what the secret sauce <laughs> recipe was. <laughs> it's mayonnaise and ketchup and mustard and pickle juice and paprika and garlic powder again and I think that's it. So mix it all up. Don't tell anybody, listeners. Don't share the secret sauce recipe. The very well kept McDowell secret. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like um, almost like French fries, where you take a piece of popcorn and dip it into the sauce. It's kind of reminiscent of eating it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it tastes like a burger. 
It does. It, when you put that sauce on there and you get the popcorn in the, the Worcester, Worcester sauce, Worcestershire? it really does taste like meaty. It's very good. I liked it a lot. Again, another week in a row, but you really outdid yourself on the big mix popcorn. I was really anticipating this one to be a bomb. Cause it, it's hard. You know, this movie doesn't have a lot of food in it, you know, yeah. outside of the Big Mick and the, the McDowell's. I will say, soft spoiler for the sequel, I guess, they do copy another item, the McFlurby. <laughs> and I think that would have been a fun popcorn to make. That would be fun. They put the, the toppings McFlurby. on the bottom, not the top. Oh, my gosh. Oh, It's my favorite running gag in between these two movies, the McDowell's just ripping off McDonald's. Yeah. Even it's the, so um, good. He's like looking at one point at the McDonald's Oper- operating manual or something. Yeah. It's just, oh, I love it. He's probably my favorite character in, throughout the two movies too. So highly, highly suggest giving the McDowell's Big, Big Mick, Mick popcorn a try. And we've actually started recording our recipes over on TikTok. So before, uh, be sure to check us out over there if you'd like to see some steps on how we took it. Yeah. How we made it. All right. So we have our popcorn. How about we talk about the first movie and then we'll move on to the sequel so if you haven't seen the sequel you don't want to hear what it's about we're going to be pretty spoiler free i think and then we'll do some comparing and contrasting at the end well you already spoiled the mcflurby so yeah this is ruined (laughs) (laughs) so i have seen this movie at least once or twice when i was younger but i also mix it up with another eddie murphy movie from a couple years before this trading places and i could have swore that the plot of coming to america was him wanting to experiencing life as a commoner, which he kind of does, but he switches places with an Eddie Murphy twin and they kind of like, you know, do the Prince and the Pauper thing. There are no twins. There are no twins in this. But you told me before we started (laughs) that there was, I was waiting for it. And there's no twins in trading places either. He just kind of like goes. It's Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, Yeah. Dan Aykroyd. These two stories is like cross wires in my head. And there's also cameos from the Mortimer guys. Yeah, there's a lot of like Eddie Murphy cinematic universe in this. Yeah. So I think I think I'm pretty understandable in mixing these two movies up. Yeah, but there's no twin in it. Oh, I guess Eddie Murphy does play a lot of characters. Yeah, it's basically this whole the, the two movies is basically Eddie Murphy and uh Archenio. Arsenio Arsenio <laughs> Hall. Arsenio Hall. Artisanal cheese. <laughs> playing the two characters. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's talk about number one. Coming T.O. America. Yes, the first movie. Yes. So we open up and we see it is a Prince Eddie Murphy's 21st birthday. Yes. He's getting pampered head to toe. Literally. Gets bathed by three beautiful women. Yes. <laughs> Can't even go to the bathroom by himself. He has royal wipers. Right off the bat, I really love the look of this castle. It's very 90s. It's very 90s. <laughs> very like pastel, soft colors, over the top regal. I mean, Zamunda is not a real country, but it feels like very fictional and like storybookish almost. It does, yeah. Like over the top crazy. Mm-hmm. And that plays a part throughout the, all the Zamunda stuff. I have to say, when they first opened the scene on like the castle, mm-hmm. it reminded me a little bit of Wakanda, just like a oh yeah castle in the middle of the forest. Yeah, and I think that's a lot in this movie is that regal Afro like futurism type stuff. Is, is it, it futurism? futurism? Yeah, it's not futurism, but like African king kingdom. Yeah, kingdom stuff. We don't really see that a lot. You don't see it a lot in media, so it's really it. I think this movie lean in the sequel especially leans into it a lot. And they I even mentioned Wakanda in the second. Yeah, movie. they even like you know make a jab at that and i think that it's really interesting visually just to watch a setting that's not usually portrayed definitely 
We got a lot of elephants and zebras. Yeah, there's, I around. was wondering how much of the budget went into training animals, lions. right? Yeah. There's a lot of elephants and like giraffes in the background and stuff. Yeah. It's pretty good. I appreciate that the, well, I guess we'll get to this later, but the animals or like the elephants, at least in the second movie are CGI because that's yeah. not cool now. You cannot Can't just like get animals. animals on set and everything. Yeah. yeah. So, but it does give a sense of like real, like, you know, the, the whole castle feels very real. We, uh, yeah. So like you said, 24th birthday and we get introduced to James Earl Jones, yes, his dad. His dad. And his mother, Madge Sinclair. And I have fun trivia for you. Okay, what is it? Do you you know obviously what James Earl Jones' famous Disney role is? Yes. Mufasa. Yes. And do you know who played oh. Mufasa's wife, whose name is Sarabi? I had to look write that down. <laughs> I'm gonna guess who it is. Uh-huh. Is it this lady? Yes, it's What's this her lady. Name? <laughs> Madge Sinclair. Wow. Isn't that funny? That's really good. King and queen on screen. King and queen in Lion King. They didn't get Eddie Murphy to play uh, Simba, though. <laughs> That's too bad. That is too bad. <laughs> uh, Sorry, JTT. We <laughs> want Eddie Murphy as Simba. A couple of highlights from this whole early part in Zamunda before he goes to America. America. He has a big birthday party. Slash engagement. It's supposed to be an engagement party too. Um, he's introduced arranged to his marriage. arranged marriage. I really like the long table they have that they're eating meals at, and they have like a little walkie-talkie yeah. to like talk to each other. And he just gets up and all oh, the rose petals. They get so much mileage out of the rose petal joke. That goes so like I didn't expect it to come back later, but it does. <laughs> it's like a plot point later in the movie, and I love that this dumb joke gets paid off later. Mm-hmm. And they're just like running ahead of him to do this. Uh, I like basically yeah to explain they throw rose petals at his feet yeah. so he can walk on them just and so he's he can like, walk on them I just want to be a normal person yeah but at the birthday party there's someone outside peddling cheap like concert shirts <laughs> yeah t-shirts I really like that that was cute I like how they make it feel like such a foreign country but then there's like a couple jokes that are like you know this is everywhere we're all the same we're yeah. all the same the birthday party dance to introduce the wife is really cool. Another fun fact, that dance was choreographed by a teenage Paula Abdul. Wow, really? Yeah. Late 80s young. Paula Abdul, huh? Oh, she was a Lakers girl, and she had choreographed Janet Jackson's music video. And Oh, and they brought her on for this, yeah. huh? Yeah. Wow. Well, it is very well choreographed. It is. It's really cool to watch. Yeah, and it it does go on for a little bit long, but... When you get Janet, J- I mean, Paula Abdul, to do it, you let her go. Let her go. And it's it's really good. It's really cool. I like all the pageantry that they have at this birthday party. I like the, yeah, go on. I'll get to this. <laughs> okay. Eddie Murphy, Akeem, uh, he's feeling some cold feet getting He meets his marriage. wife. She's kind of an idiot or just born to serve him. Yes. So doesn't have any personality of her own. She He tells her to bark like a dog and <laughs> jump on one leg. And, and I, you were not sold on her big dog bark impression. <laughs> no. That was she could have <laughs> put a little more heart and soul into uh, it. Oh, yeah. It was a little weak. Eddie Murphy is not happy with having essentially a robot be his his wife. Mm-hmm. So he has a talk with his dad outside. And I like that this like little baby elephant just runs up to him and he pets it. And it's that just like, cool. again, real animals. It's just kind of cool in this whole part of the movie. So he makes a deal with uh, James Earl Dad to, <laughs> you have 40 days to find the love of your life. So then they had, he and his friend Simi head off to America. To the only natural place you go to find the love for a king, Queens, Queens New, York. New York. 
And I wonder, they flip a coin to decide to go to Los Angeles or New York. And I wonder if that's like a meta reference to when they were like writing the movie. If they were thinking about, you know, should we do this in New York or Or LA, LA. right? Like the two big, biggest cities. I wonder how much of that was like kind of like an inside joke they had. Mm -hmm. But they end up going to Queens, New York, where they totally blend in as strangers. And I have absolutely loved their initial outfits where they're wearing like animal skins. The fashion in this movie in general is just great. The costume design and all that is real good. Both from like makeup, fashion, the over the top like 80s, the 80s fashion the Americans are wearing to the African stuff. It's beautiful. All of it. Yeah. I like it. all. Some of it's a little ostentatious, but it's all very cool to look at. Yeah. It keeps things interesting. So then they first need to find somewhere to live for 40 days. So they rent an apartment and they go to this very shady looking apartment building with a very shady landlord who's yelling at them the moment they knock on the door. And he shows them they want he says they want the uh, most peasant like or common meager, meager, meager accommodations. accommodations. He uh, takes them to a former crime scene <laughs> <laughs> where there's an outline of a man. And also an outline of a, a dog. dog. <laughs> the, the police tape, like the body tape for a dog. is really it's so good. <laughs> it's kind of surprising to see, this is 1988 New York. The amount of like slush in the street was kind of stressing <laughs> me out. How poorly plowed the streets were. Yeah, it was a mess yeah. in general. And they kind of mentioned this, not a spoiler, but they kind of mentioned gentrification in the second movie. You do kind of see how different Queens was you know, Back 30, then, just to 30 years ago. Yeah. You know, it's kind of neat to see from our perspective, having not lived in that time, of course, mm-hmm. seeing what New York used to be like. It, the graffiti yeah. on the subway later. That's, yeah. All that sort like of stuff. It's like a different place. Honestly. It's very interesting to see. Then we get introduced to Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall show at the barbershop, where <laughs> it's just the two of them playing four different characters. Old men. <laughs> just kind of like BSing old men, talking about boxing and, you know, this. Yeah. Just being know. offensive. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, going back and forth with each other. It's all kind of heartwarming and they're mean, but, you know, the friendly meme kind of way. Yeah. And it's like a parody within a parody because they are playing that character. Very meta. This movie, yeah, the whole movie is kind of meta where like it's self-referencing like other movies and stuff. Yeah. In the universe where they mention like Kunta Kinte, which is. Right. And the man who plays lisa's father played Kuta yeah Kuta. right it's just like there's no continuity it's just all you know but it's all a comedy so it's it right. just all plays pretty well in his quest for love they go to the club scene in new york and we get oh a montage God. of just them speed dating people uh so out of these who is your favorite person they were all really good like weird people i think i loved the most arsenio hall dressed up as a woman <laughs> and saying she's gonna wreck them <laughs> to himself, right? To himself. It's so good. <laughs> it's pretty funny. My my all-star was the uh, the Joan of Arc holding the lighter under her hand. Was, <laughs> yeah, I was like, Joan of Arc in a past life. Is <laughs> this a weirdo? <laughs> like, the, how did they get all the weirdos? Yeah, right. The people they attract is so good. And many twins. Like, there were mm-hmm. more than one set of twins they met up with. Going on a date together, like going on the first date, the Siamese twins, which I feel like this is of more of like an 80s like joke yes, like siamese, siamese twins. twins but like you don't really see that joke anymore because it's um offensive <laughs> yes and i feel like it was way more popular and this is kind of like a, a f- side effect of that yeah one of those siamese twin jokes the other twin set peaches well, yeah, fresh yeah. peaches and sugar, sugar cube, cube. <laughs> great yeah Rappers. they were pretty good too 
Less offensive uh, twins Less joke. Less offensive <laughs> twins. They have no luck at the bar, and so they go back to the barber shop where they are advised to either go to a church or go to this pageant that's being held. Yeah. I think it's the Miss Black Awareness pageant. Yes. And so they end up going to the pageant. Uh, we get another Eddie Murphy cameo where he's in sexual cho- the lead singer of sexual <laughs> chocolate <laughs> randy watson <laughs> amazing it's just so weird and no one and I, he's so bad and everyone yeah, knows it and but he's still being hyped up and stuff it's just so it's so weird and arsenio is like the weird preacher oh yeah, yeah the, the sexist this. preacher mm-hmm. type thing but we finally get introduced to the love of his life lisa yes who is going around collecting some money and he drops like a for fat the children for the, we never get resolution if they renovated that park or not. <laughs> Presumably with the hundreds of dollars Akeem gives, they're able to, to make that happen. Yes. And I like how throughout the movie, he's dropping hundreds of dollars for Everything. people in need anywhere. Yeah. He finds out that Lisa is working at our popcorn inspired McDowell's where they end up getting like part-time work doing some like cleaning Just stuff mopping the floors pretty much and we get introduced to my favorite character cleo lisa's father lisa's father who who's the, the manager operator of this mcdowell's i like that there's one early joke where there's like a reporter i guess trying to do a story on him someone with the camera copywriting copyright infringement on mcdonald's really good like list like oh you know we don't put sesame seeds on the bun yeah, two all beef Mick. patties, special yeah. spash, lettuce, <laughs> cheese, pickles, onions, and but no sesame seeds. On no sesame bun. seeds, of course. So throughout the course of getting his part-time job at McDowell's, he's able to court Lisa, and they eventually fall in love with each other. He courts her first when he stops a robber, played by Samuel L. Jackson, yeah. young Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. Beats him up with uh, a mop handle. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the first moment where Lisa... He finally catches Lisa's eye. And she realizes that her current boyfriend, whose name I'm forgetting. Daryl. Daryl? Soulglow. Mr. Soulglow. Mr. Soulglow. The heir to the Soulglow fortune, (laughs) which is a greasy hair product looking thing. Yeah, he's not so great. We see that he lied, that she thought he was the one who dropped all the money for the children's Hmm. charity, but he didn't put any in. Yeah, and then he goes, does probably the worst thing, where he forces her into an engagement type thing that is the worst thing i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> he just goes to her dad and is like let's do this together let's, like, you, let's announce it and she'll go along with it of course it's a cool parallel to akeem getting arranged marriage where she is also in an arranged marriage yeah. just like in a different part of the world yeah funny joke with the soul glow family leaving a pool of oil on the couch <laughs> when they get up <laughs> yeah that was, that was a good, good cutaway gag akeem is eventually able to win her over they go for a walk on mm-hmm. like central park or something and we get the trading places connection where well, we he, see two bums we see two bums the, the people that eddie murphy had bankrupted in trading places and he gives them some money and you know they said we're back you know we're gonna get back that was a nice little which is a really easter cool egg. yeah easter egg i imagine if you didn't see trading places though you'd be a little confused yeah but i guess he's he is shown to give away his money pretty freely so it's still in line with akeem as a character sure but like why are they spending so much time on these guys yeah although this was 88 and Trading Places was 83. So presumably, you know, not a terribly long Not to gap forget, in like, for people who have seen it. I just mean people who hadn't seen Trading Places. Yeah. Another few quick points I want to make out. Patrice, Lisa's sister, her outfits throughout the entire movie, extremely 80s. 
and they're extremely amazing. over the top. She wears these earrings at one point that look like these like, like neon spirals. It's yeah, they're crazy. crazy. Uh, I loved all the sweaters and jackets that yes, Eddie Murphy Lisa's wore. jacket in this Lisa's thing. Lisa's jacket, iconic. A plus. Eddie Murphy's uh, wardrobe, A plus as well. Definitely. Oh, one thing we forgot to mention in the McDowell's, another iconic thing, <laughs> the burger phone. Oh my God! <laughs> yes, this man is so dedicated to his craft that he has a burger a shaped, flip, a clam, a clamshell burger phone. It's really funny. He's real cool. But eventually, uh, James Earl J- King Joffrey. I keep calling him just not Joffrey. Is it Joffrey? Isn't that from Game of That's Thrones? That's Game of Thrones, but it's something similar. I didn't write it down. <laughs> James Earl Jones. He comes back <laughs> to. Uh, he comes to reclaim his son, and this is where we get the rose petal giveaway, where it gives uh, Akeem a heads up of like. His dad was here. They're here. There's rose petals everywhere. Everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) It's finally revealed to Cleo. Akeem is a royal prince. And so he's more than happy to hook Lisa up with Akeem. And I thought it was nice that when he hired, before knowing this, when he hired Akeem to come work at his house for his party. Oh, yeah. He said, "With you know, my son, one day with hard work, you could have a house like this yourself. He's like, yeah. They do a ton of that, like, you know, no one knows he's a prince, but he is. And they're just telling him, like, you could be assistant man, or you could be a burger flipper one day <laughs> and all that manager. stuff. Yeah. And it was nice, though. Yeah. And I absolutely love that Akeem is never an, an a-hole at any point. He's always very earnest and nice throughout the whole movie. Yeah. And I that like really keeps it together. That was, I think, like a shining moment in the whole, not a moment, but like a great quality that Eddie Murphy brought to the role. Like, mm-hmm. he really made Akeem seem a little like of course naive yeah but like innocent Mm -hmm. and that way we like relate and like him yeah and Arsenio Hall kind of plays the stuck up jerk throughout the whole thing like complaining all the time yeah he doesn't but he plays that so well Mm -hmm. he's so funny in the whole thing they really play off each other well yes so we kind of get the climax where James Earl Jones is trying to track down Akeem and he meets Lisa and he finds out that Akeem has taken a fancy to her when he's kind of chews her out and is like, you, you're trash, you're just, you know, peasant, you can't up. get with my son. Akeem and Lisa have a fight on the subway, which I guess is kind of the climax of the whole movie. Yeah. And I like as they're running through and you get like all the New Yorkers given looks and input and in this fight that they're observing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they end up, I think it's pretty reasonable for Lisa not to just want to run into this guy's royal family that just yelled at her and, you know, leave everything behind. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very human reaction. I agree, which is why the next part of the movie really confuses me. Yeah. So they break up, you know, quote unquote break up for the time being. And they, Akeem goes back to Zamunda. But on their wedding day, it's revealed that Lisa came back and is actually going to marry him. Well, I mean, he didn't know she was there. No, no, yeah. It was a total surprise. Like, you know, pull back the veil. And and I was also surprised because, like, you'd think they would have talked. Like, they're both made out to be these very level-headed, smart people. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like if she had intended on coming back to do something so serious as marry him, Mm. which they hadn't really discussed at all. They were just dating. Yeah. I thought that they would have had more discussion, something in between those two things, like between them breaking up and Yeah, because it getting cuts married. from the marriage scene, like, you know, him leaving directly to the marriage scene. I'm guessing that the king called her up and said, you know, my son actually does love you. I'll accept you and we can move on from Come here. back. Yeah. It's also implied that his mom has a lot of sway. You know, I think she says something along the lines of, where he says, you know, this is unallowed. We can't have this. It's like, I thought you were the king. And, you know, it kind of like teases at his pride to make 
this happen. Mm-hmm. And I love it. I, I think it's a very happy ending. I yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's very it's cute. Good, fun, and Cleo cute. comes out from like the side and puts his hand on you know the throne or something. Is like you know he's hey, there. Son. Yeah, yeah. I got. love it. The sister's kind of like where'd she go? But <laughs> she's with Daryl, I guess. She yeah. got her her sister seconds. She did. Daryl has that fourth wall break when he's coming oh, yeah. in the house and looks at the camera. But yeah, they end up together. Brings us to the end of Coming to America. I guess before we talk about the sequel, what did you? What were your overall feelings the first time of you seeing this? I was super impressed with how much I liked this movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I wasn't sure about it. I didn't hear too much about it. Like I heard little bits, but I liked it a lot. I would watch it again. And I think what why it holds up so far into the future is that it has so much heart. No one in this movie is super mean-spirited and hateful. They're generally all... I mean, except for the caricature... Like, yes, the only people we are made to think are not great are the caricatures of people that Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall are playing. Yeah, yeah. Like, in makeup. They're goofy. Yeah, Akeem, you know, Eddie, the main Eddie Murphy role... <laughs> And uh, and Lisa and Cleo, they're all they're flaw- all genuine yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just so easy to like them all, and it's funny. It's heartwarming. It's very sweet. It's a there's a reason that thirty plus years later they decided to dredge it, it up a and get a sequel. sequel out of it. And I'm really glad they did because honestly, I don't know without the hubbub, would I have heard of? Would we have ever one, watched it? Right. So transitioning to coming, T W O to America. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to go back and mention, do you know how much money they spent? The but you know the budget was for the first one. No, it was thirty six million dollars, which okay. today would have been eighty one million dollars. Okay. And this new movie, you want to guess what the budget was for that? Uh, fifty million. Sixty million. Wow! So double the budget of the eighties one. But oh no! But I guess adjusted for inflation, it's about the same. Yeah. And they didn't even get real animals in the second one. So I don't know where all that money went. <laughs> well, not even the same. It's 60 versus 80. It's lower, a lower budget than yeah. the first one. That's why they needed to rely on. I mean, yeah. Surprising. Okay. That's why they needed CGI animals in the sequel. No, they needed CGI animals in the sequel because you can't put okay, elephants yeah, in movies you cannot anymore. Do that anymore. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so this is this movie follows a trend that I think a lot of people have issues with. Movies that are 30... 40 years old, getting modern sequels that seemingly no one asked for. You have Top Gun getting a sequel. You have Bad Boys for Life getting a sequel. I have These are getting sequels? These have had sequels or are coming out sequels. You have I Zoolander have... 2 that came out not yes, too long okay. ago. Right, you have all these movies. You know, this movie tries to like poke at itself that like it's a little self-aware. But I really unfortunately think that this kind of does fall into the hole of sequels that didn't need to be made. What? I... It, like... You mentioned once that it is a self-serving, like a fan-serving. It is. It's a fan-service movie. I love that. What's wrong with that? I think that the main core of it, the heart of the movie is there. I don't think that the comedy, the overall comedy was as good as the first one, though. It can't be, though. I feel like that's the problem. It just, unless you take it in a totally different direction mm-hmm. and like Eddie Murphy was no longer the star, one of his daughters was, yeah. you know, because she's going to be the new queen. That's... I feel like you couldn't go further with that. Okay. Well, l- let's talk through it and we can pick out what we may have not liked so much or liked so much. Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, you got the same font. 
You got the same intro, like shot through the jungle into the castle. It's really reminiscent. And I think watching these. It's exactly the same as the original opening. Yep. Like shot for shot. This gets to the first thing that I didn't like. Oh gosh. So early. The castle is not as colorful. It's almost, it's way more drab and realistic looking. And I liked how over the top it looked in the first one. But it looks more like modern. It does. It does. Well, but you don't think the Zamunda interior decorator <laughs> would <laughs> make it modern with time? Uh, I guess that's a good point. And a lot more of the movie takes place in Zamunda. So I'm guessing they needed something that looks more presentable. Pleasant to look at. Yeah. Not rather like than bright blue walls pink. and all this yeah. stuff, right? You get some nice cute photos. He has like a framed picture of him from the first movie on like the fireplace. Yeah, her and her right sister. off the bat, I was like, "Wow, you know, th- you know, it's it's playing heart to the original, which I really liked." Eddie Murphy's voice slips on like a glove in this movie. Like you couldn't like, it's amazing. It doesn't miss a beat between yeah, the first. Exactly, it doesn't miss one beat. Like the feel of it. Like I was thinking, well, one part they're like de- messing with the globe again, mm-hmm. where they originally decided where they're gonna go. Yeah, I'm like, this is like so, so much work must have gone into making it feel so effortlessly like yeah. the same place. Yeah, his speech pattern is so so much the same. It's impressive. I mean, really, the whole cast. James Earl Jones is just doing his like his voice i don't think he did all that much <laughs> but um arsenio hall really fills into simi really well as well i'm not gonna lie i thought james earl jones was dead <laughs> <laughs> i was really surprised you're getting some mandela effect on uh, james earl honestly jones. i really was the first thing that really made me smile in this movie is the mcdowell's that's open in zamunda oh of course i really like that he's franchising into different countries and it's sponsored by Pepsi. By Pepsi, which, <laughs> of course, Coke is McDonald's thing. So it only makes sense that McDowell's um, Would be falls into Pepsi. And I love that the daughters are making the McDowell's carbon neutral. Yes, right? Yeah, the daughter's like modernizing everything. It's but, cute. And it's a little eye-rolly dad humor. Like, oh, I'm on fleek. Like, oh, no one says it anymore. No one says it But it's, it's cute. Eddie Murphy is old now. And it's just kind of cute dad humor with his, his daughters. I know. I really like the this opening bit. I liked it a lot too. And I want to say the whole movie could have fallen into this ageism sort of thing that mm-hmm. I see happen with sequels all the time. Yeah. Where like the original adult characters make fun of the children for being hip or whatever. Yeah. But this movie kind of like, I mean, promotes it sort mm-hmm. of like these kids are smart. They're doing the carbon neutral thing. Yeah. Like we're not going to make fun of them for saying on fleek. We're going to make fun of the self-deprecating humor, right? Yeah. For him saying on fleek. A lot of this opening is almost a remake. You get them fight like training with the the staffs in mm-hmm. the opening, just like he's paying a lot of homage to the first, which is all very nice. And we get a visit from the neighbors in Nextoria. Yeah, the is wonderful that, land. Is that country named in the first one? I don't no, remember it. I don't okay. think so. I think this is just a goofy. And I really thought that the setup of this movie was really good. You know, paying off Eddie Murphy screwing with his first wife, where she's still, I guess, jumping on one foot thirty years later, <laughs> barking and being like, tortured. Insane. <laughs> yeah, because he did screw someone over by deciding to marry Lisa. Right? There should be some kind of consequence to that. Mm-hmm. And so that per- the country he screwed over, the next story, um, are like. Hey, it's you know your dad's gonna die. He's a force of nature, and you're weak. What are you gonna? We're gonna take. We're gonna take over unless you have an heir, and that's really where the main thrust of this movie comes from. Mm -hmm. But first, we get James Earl's James Earl Jones living funeral, which (laughs) Which is great. Why do we all have one? Everybody for this. 
There it were was. so many cameos in this. There was a million bit. famous people in this. And Morgan Freeman, I didn't realize, like, he was the narrator of the um, funeral, but he was playing himself. Himself. Not just, like, some guy. Yeah, and that's where this movie leans into the meta humor a lot more than the first one. Mm-hmm. Where I think they, they say, like, James Earl Jones is the inspiration for Mufasa or something yeah. in the movie. Like, it's all very self-referential, which is cool. We get a lot of, you know, if the first movie starts off with the wedding engagement party, this one starts off with the funeral. There's a lot of, like, the similar dancing and pageantry and all that cool stuff. Diana Ross comes back with the midnight train from Zamunda. Gladys Knight, sir. Oh, Di- they mentioned Diana Ross later. That's yes. why I was getting crossed there. Midnight train to Zamunda. And Vogue was there. Salt yeah. and Peppa was Salt there. Salt and Peppa. They, they got everybody for this. He does die at his own funeral, though. Self-fulfilling type thing, I guess. Yeah. And Eddie Murphy gets kicked into high gear where he's like, I got to find a son. And he discovers that he had a bastard son during the first movie and at first they're reusing footage and then they start to do like they use the de-aged arsenio hall right when they were reshooting the scenes say like you said like we said the transition was seamless Uh that 80s transition when they're going flashing back to that time when they met all of those girls at the club amazing i i mean maybe because our windows were really bright and there was a glare (laughs) on the tv i just like thought that was seamless yeah perfection they probably use re- reuse that old footage, but then they transition into something that we didn't see in the first movie, where you get them meeting Leslie Jones. Them meeting Leslie Jones. I swear, it looks like it could have just been inserted in the first movie, and you That's wouldn't have been I'm able saying. to tell. It was amazing. The technology they have to de-age people now is crazy. Not even that. Like we, I don't know, just all of it. We see Arsenio Hall as a woman sitting with Eddie Murphy in the back wall. We see a new scene that was not in the old movie, Arsenio talking to Leslie Jones in the forefront, which yeah. is really cool. And so we, we find out kind of a retcon, I guess, where he actually had a one night stand with, with Leslie Jones. And that's the source of his bastard son, who he wants to get as the heir of Zamunda. We get another, like you mentioned before, them spinning the globe around and pointing at Queens again, going back to New York. And we get introduced to his Lavelle. son Lavelle where he's doing an interview of all places at Duke and Duke which is in course trading places callback where their grandson is now heading up this business I honestly maybe again because of the glare on our TV I didn't see that it was Mortimer and yeah in the background there's like a poster that's like a D and a D so I guess they, that kind of like they showed a portrait too yeah so we oh yeah just on the glare it was a little yeah little hard to see we had to turn the shades we also get introduced to Tracy Morgan's character, who is Lavelle's uncle. Lavelle's uncle, kind of like father figure in his life. That job interview doesn't work out, and he's peddling tickets in front of uh, some fake stadium or something. Um, Madison Square Garden is fake. No, no, the, the team was fake. The team was um, fake. No, St. John's. No, the other one, the Tennessee North Tennessee. Uh, maybe the other team was fake, but St. John's is a very famous college in Queens. And oh. that's the game he went to with with yeah Lisa. in the first movie yeah in the first movie I thought the Tennessee team was fake okay <laughs> <laughs> sure anyway Akeem finds his son there they go back to and he's wearing that classic yes, New Yorker the another outfit. callback the tourist New York uh, outfit we need to dress like Americans oh gosh very funny yeah good fan service callback moment mm-hmm. so they go back and meet Lavelle's family and they all agree to move to Zamunda to try this out. Give the prince thing a shot. Mm -hmm. They see he's got a bunch of money. They all fly back. And this is where I think that the title Coming to America is kind of misleading 
because it's more like coming to Zamunda. I almost feel like that should have been the title of it because it's like an inverse. They're taking someone from Queens and bringing them back to Zamunda. Correct. And but it's coming to America too would be the proper title. So yes. this is just a cuter way to say it. I guess. <laughs> But there's a lot of inverted scenes where in the first movie you have Eddie Murphy yelling, good morning, New York or America, and everyone at Queens yelling at him. In this movie, you have Lavelle yelling, good morning, Zamunda, and like shots of the animals like making noises and stuff. There's a lot of those parallel scenes in this. And that's where I think it's the strongest when they're kind of playing homage to that. I thought they were going to do it more. And they don't, they do it a lot in the beginning. And this is, I think once they're back in Zamunda, this is where things kind of get a little shaky for me personally. I think that the core root of this whole plot is not in line with Eddie Murphy's character in the first movie. And I guess what they're trying to do is like, you can be this aspirational young person, but through age, you just become jaded and can fall into old routines. Yeah. Which, who's to say that's wrong? Yeah. But I guess... Maybe watching them right after each other. Maybe if there was 30 years in between me watching Coming to America and Coming to America, mm-hmm. maybe that would be less noticeable. Maybe if you were 50 years old and you'd watch this in your 20s. Yeah. I would, that would be more of a relatable feeling. Yeah. That's fair. The other issue I have where we kind of start going back and forth is the Nextorians. <laughs> They're funny. I really like them. They're a good gag. Sh- a shake the weight shake joke weights. in 2021 Really caught me off guard. <laughs> Shake weights and DDR. Yeah, Dance right. Dance Revolution was their workout routine. <laughs> Those jokes have been out of fashion for so long. It was almost funny because I wasn't expecting them at all. <laughs> it was really funny. Like, because it's so, like, unmasculine, yeah. the shake weight. Like, it was just still a good joke. Yeah, I really like Warlord Wesley Snipes' character who's mm-hmm. leading this nation. I've said it multiple times watching it where they're my favorite. Like, they walk into <laughs> a room and they just start dancing, like, dan- do a whole routine into They the don't room. march. They dance. Yeah. It's <laughs> so absurd. I loved it. It was meant to be goofy and it worked. Yeah. But the issue with them being so goofy is that they're also supposed to be the scary antagonistic force to Zamunda where, you know, they're going to kill Eddie Murphy and take over the kingdom. But I never bought them as a credible threat. They're just like a joke. I bought it, but like it doesn't need to be. That's where I feel like this, the whole, both movies sometimes jump back and forth between being very credible and very goofy. Like, are we supposed to be taking this seriously? Because I'm supposed to believe that Akeem is going to go against his better judgment of letting his daughter rule, who is obviously very capable, to bring in this rando bastard son to rule because he thinks that if he doesn't do that nextorium is going to come and take over everything but the nextoriums are like over here doing choreographed dance like i don't believe that they're a credible threat to the kingdom so it's like it's a it's a fine line yes i just who cares it's all funny but it's a little annoying because i think the first movie the plot of that holds up really well i think it balances it both very well it's realistic and then when they start going to like politics and like talking about the kingdom and stuff it kind of falls apart a little bit yeah it's a little goofy and then we get that other another suitor in situation just kind of mirroring and i thought she was going to be capable the sis the bride from nextorium who gets arranged with lavelle because they kind of do like a duo rap thing and i thought like oh maybe she's kind of like a good match a good match to him and then later it's revealed that she is also... She's just like her aunt. Just like her aunt. Who would bark like a dog. For yeah. Her. And stay there. He goes through these princely tests. Uh, do you have any like standout moments from that montage of him like getting trained to be a prince? Um, 
like naming all the ancestors yeah i think i thought i liked i liked i didn't like it at the beginning i liked it when tracy morgan came and like yeah. was like his mentor tutor type person where they're gonna do it queen style yeah i think that got more that, that's when it kind of became more interesting but I think the important part throughout this whole middle of the movie is that he starts falling in love with the uh, oh his uh, beautician his beautician groomer. barber person who has seen Coming to America one, so she knows what's up with with the plot here. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. She it? starts talking. She lived it, man. She starts talking to him, and they start showing clips from the first movie, which I thought was kind of funny. That is. Cute. She's kind of giving him the recap yeah. of the the whole movie. Maybe their I think their relationship wasn't developed quite well enough okay thank you i thought it was a little crazy i was like i mean but that's know, another part of this movie like it's a comedy just go with it but i wanted a little more human yeah in that because i think in the first movie they go to length for akeem and lisa to fall in love with each other i don't think so Re- i think both movies okay more, more than, so than, than that this one but i feel like both movies sort of fall flat on the human connection believability i think both kind of have that old movie thing where like just don't ask questions we're not going to show you them falling in love you just gotta like understand that just roll with it yeah but i think this movie is way more egregious than the first one in my opinion sure oh yeah i don't think the barbara's developed at all no she she wants to own a business two words yeah exactly (laughs) and we're supposed to believe this but there's so many characters we're following in this movie in the second movie so there's just not time for all of that it would be a four-hour movie because imagine that everyone in the first movie is in this on top of an entire cast like of a a second movie and they're all smushed together i really wish they had focused more on the daughters we don't really get to see them that much i know i really they seemed really cool yeah i really like the three daughters and i thought they had a cool dynamic I, my favorite princely test that they do is her helping him catch the, the, lion. the lion. I thought that was a really cool moment. I thought they were kind of going to do something where it's like, oh, well, she also completed these tasks in oh, her own way because yeah. she helped him do it. Yeah. Which I guess she's been trained to do it. She's pretty good she's, at it. Yeah. But it's a real shame that we didn't get more of those three sisters throughout the whole thing. Lois joke of the whole movie, going back to the lion, farting sleeping lion that was, was so that was dumb. like out of 2002 or something that felt like real dr doolittle yeah that was some haunted mansion level <laughs> <Eddie> Murphy. <laughs> what are you talking about haunted mansion <laughs> is eddie murphy at his peak <laughs> that disney spent millions of dollars <laughs> on haunted mansion and it did so well that he went to hibernation for decades <laughs> but no farting lion that was the unpopped kernel of the movie for me yeah, it was bad. But he's deemed worthy, and we get another wedding. And at this point, the whole cast has kind of bonded. Lisa and uh, Leslie Jones's character have Mary. become friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simi and Tracy Morgan have kind of bonded or are hanging out with each other. You know, things are vibing pretty well. The brother and the oldest sister. Yes, vibing. I li- I like I do like their brother sister relationship. Yeah. For a split second, I thought they were going to go real royal route and do some soft half-brother incest Ew, type thing no, but they did they not could go never. but uh we get the reveal of the wife of lavelle's wife who is just a robot and we have a parallel scene of him and eddie murphy from the first movie like what's your favorite Realizing. movie what's your favorite color da, da, da. and he realizes this is whack i don't want to do this and we get kind of a cheap way to extend the conflict of the movie where he overhears eddie murphy talking to wesley snipes about was all set how he's a pawn or whatever and so he storms off to go back to Queens and takes the barber uh, beautician with him. 
the payoff to this is that we get by far my favorite part of the movie where he's going to the McDowell's and we see Cleo walk in and he's mopping the floors like in the first movie. Very cute. And this is probably the, this is by far the most emotional part for me and my popping moment for the both movies, I think, because it pays off both so well where you get the McFlurby and they're <laughs> just, you know, they're talking about the struggles of being a father and being just a, giving a leader and all advice. that. And this is a really tender moment. Mm-hmm. that makes eddie murphy like i said realize like this is not who he is right he's that man from the first movie who wanted to be progressive and change things right which is refreshing like we're finally back to yes that. and pays homage to the first movie it moves the plot along for this movie and these are my two favorite characters in both of them and we get a mcflurby joke and the mcflurby joke right? <laughs> and it continues on the joke from the first movie mm-hmm. it's so perfect it is pretty I perfect. love it. I would say that's my popping moment, too. Yeah, it's great. He rushes to New York to stop the marriage. Not Actually, no, not to stop the marriage. To give uh, Lavelle the thumbs up, like, you got to follow your heart, man. Yeah. And do your own thing. Exactly. Kind of a self-referential referential joke with the preacher from the first movie. Like, calling him out as being like, who's the sexist dummy guy who mm-hmm. is doing this? Because they're getting married at, like, a cheap crack house church or something, they call that's it. That's what they call it. And Eddie Murphy bursts in and gives his son the thumbs up, but they decide to go back to Zamunda because, again, the beautician is not really where she feels at home. Which, are we supposed to care how she feels? (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, they go back to Zamunda to get married. And while he's away, there is some trouble at home where Wesley Snipes charges in and is like, hey, where's Eddie Murphy? We're going to attack. We're going to attack. But I guess that there's no royal guards. No, that's what I said. <laughs> there were the guards protecting the princess. She has to fight them all herself, which is great. Yes. And we get a cool moment where the three sisters actually get to do something and they beat up uh, Nextorium people. Mm-hmm. And this is where it, the plot kind of falls flat because this solves the whole Nextorium issue. They just beat them. They just but, punch them <laughs> with but, sticks. Yeah, I thought he and th- he's shown to have like a whole army of soldiers and everything. Right. And he's just kind of cool with it, too. Like he gets yeah. beat by a teenage girl and he's like, Rolls all right, we're it. good. We're going to be trading buddies instead. Yeah. Again, the heart of this movie does come through, but the plot side of it really. Yeah. Falls flat. Which is fine. It's a sequel. Yeah. We weren't expecting. We're here much. to see characters come back after 30 years and yes. to get McFlurbies. And that's what, and that's what they paid off in. We get a happy. How does it end? So <laughs> we get we get their wedding in Zamunda. Yes, we get the barber and Lavelle getting married, and we get some quick plot ending tie tying well, everything like together. The wedding reception was yeah. the ending, right? And we find out that his eldest daughter is going to be queen. You know, recognizing that she is obviously the right Worthy. choice for this. Yes, and that Lavelle's going to go be in. Ba- they're going to open up a embassy in Queens, New York, I guess. Right, and that Lavelle will go back there. I think that's about as well as you, you know, you're going to introduce this character as a way to like tie it up pretty well. I think that was a fine, good enough ending for Lavelle. Yeah. And this is where we get all of the fun callbacks. Yeah. This is like, like boom, boom, boom. This is like an extra dose of callbacks here where Mm -hmm. you get sexual chocolate (laughs) being the headlining event at this reception. Oh, yeah. Which is so. And I love that all the people from Queens are genuinely excited for him to be there. Like he's Cleo. (laughs) <laughs> i don't know <laughs> and but the barbershop people from the first movie are still like n- shaking mm. their head like why is this guy still performing how are they still alive <laughs> yes oh my god any of them the barbershop people were old in the first one they're like 100 <laughs> plus years old maybe it's sort of that like they looked old then but yeah. now they're really old now they're actually old 
But sexual chocolate being the like person to bring out the whole movie. No, I'm wrong. They're not the ones. We get the true ultimate callback. Oh yeah, we <laughs> get fresh America. peaches and sugar cube. The fact that they got the two of the like it's such Just a throwaway ra- joke. <laughs> the it's random so good. set of twins they met at the bar in the club in the eighties. I absolutely love that they were the like ending joke of this. Th- and they just sing the same rap that they yeah. sang in the first movie, which is <laughs> what was it? My name is Peaches. I'm um, here to say I'm something to say like that. The, the DJs want to grab my boobs or something <laughs> <laughs> so bad. But oh, it's such it's such a dumb but such a good payoff joke. Just like oh my gosh, they came back. Yeah. This movie has something that I haven't seen from like the 2000s, a blooper reel. Yeah. But I really like that. I think that it's easy to look at these sequels that come out so many years later and think like Eddie Murphy's coffers were a little empty and he needed to cash out on a property. Mm-hmm. So he's going to make coming to America. But it but looks this like seems like they wanted They loved to. it. Like they were just glad to be on set together again. And I think those bloopers are a nice way to show that. I think so too. Yeah, it would look cute. And yeah, when the last time you saw a blooper reel? Long I think in time. Toy Story Two. Yeah, like every <laughs> movie used to have them, and then they just kind of phased them out. Yeah, I like. I like it. it. Shows them having fun, and that makes me like the movie so much more. Yeah, I think maybe I was a little neg. My knee jerk reaction was a little negative. Bloopers. Bloopers. No. <laughs> <laughs> but talking through it, plot wise, it's a mess. Don't think about the plot. Just focus on the heart. And kind of the callback stuff, and just have you know, just enjoy it's it. It's just for fun. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think it like tarnishes the image of the first movie, which is what I think people are scared of when these sequels come out. I think the sequel, the the original, is left perfectly fine, and the sequel builds on it in a pretty good way. I totally agree. I recommend both. Second one for fun. First one for an actual. Yeah, good like you could movie. actually rewatch the first one. Mm-hmm. Any other closing thoughts on coming to to America? Just no. You should watch it. Yeah. Definitely watch the first one. Maybe watch the second one with a drink or two. Kind of <laughs> just like vibe with it. Yeah, you don't you can uh, be on your phone while you watch the second one. Yeah. Yeah. But it's I think the the fan service stuff is is worth a watch at the least. Yeah, it's really cute and it still has some heart. Yeah. Like the first one. And uh, for the first time, I'm losing my voice. This might be our longest episode <gasps> yet oh, with a yeah. double feature. So I think that's all we have to say about Coming to America. I think it still holds up. I think the sequel's a solid, you know, okay. Watch yeah. it if you like the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love McDowell's. I want that to be open somewhere. Let's go get a McFlurby. Yeah. I want there to be an, a Paramount amusement park and for them to have a McDowell's <laughs> oh there. Oh, my gosh. Where I can get this You're knockoff for food. for a lot, but okay. <laughs> my fingers are crossed. Thanks for listening to Popping Into Movies. To view recipes and pictures of all the popcorns we've made, you can find us on Instagram at Popping Into Movies. If you want to send us feedback on what you thought about this episode or have a suggestion for a future episode, you can reach us directly at poppingintomovies at gmail.com or on Twitter at Popping Movies. You can also leave us a message on Anchor through the link in the episode description. It might just show up in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and And we'll we'll see see you next time. time.